Mavericks work it out to Rossi. High slot. Circle right. Mavericks work it back. Right side and they score. Sam Morton takes the last beat. Shoot from the right side, power play goal for the Mavericks, 10-36, and it's a big 2-0 lead right now. From BLC Studios in Mankato, Minnesota, this is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan, with your host, Shane Frederick. This is the Maverick Hockey Live Podcast, presented by Duncan. Hope you're doing all right today. My name is Shane Frederick. I'm the host, and I'm joined today uh, by Minnesota State Super Senior Defenseman Andy Carroll. How you doing today, Andy? Good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Uh, congratulations to the start you guys are on. You got to be feeling pretty good. Four games in, being three and one with some pretty big wins at home uh, against Minnesota, and then uh, the big sweep last weekend against uh, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, how are you guys feeling right now? Yeah, I think uh, that that first Friday night up at, up in Mariucci was uh, a good eye opener for us, and uh, it was a good reset for us. I think in a way, um, came back and found a way to win three straight um, against obviously very high quality hockey teams. Um, can't speak highly enough of the atmosphere uh, at the Mayo this weekend. Um, it was phenomenal. Uh, I think I heard Saturday was over five thousand. Mm-hmm. So. Um, to be able to play in front of that crowd um, in the back-to-back days that we did, it was, uh, was truly special and um, obviously another big weekend ahead. So we're looking forward and preparing the right way. When you said reset on the first game of the season, it seems weird that you say that, but is it, are you referring to maybe a little reset from like transitioning from last year to this year and kind of being a new team and, you know, it's almost like uh, hit the pause button and say, okay, it's 22-23 now, not 21-22? That's exactly what I mean. Um, you, you make it to a national championship game, right? And it's very easy to become complacent and just assume that all those things are going to happen again. Um, unfortunately, we had to find out the hard way um, that that's not the case. Um, but we got it back on the right track. And um, I think we're, we got 28 guys in that locker room that are on, all in the un- understanding that uh, that's not the case, and the work needs to be put in every day, and prepare the right way, and and then obviously play the right way. But um, yeah, it's uh, a different team, a different uh, from top to bottom. We're obviously very very different from last year, and um, but obviously we're excited about the club that we have, and uh, I think this past weekend was a, a big step for us in um, creating uh, this year's identity. Um, it's going to be a little bit different than last year, but it's okay. In this past weekend, you had to win games two different ways, and and really, you know, I think you know had the challenge of having Friday's game where it was such a one sided game in, in in your favor to to win six nothing, and to um, really you know feel like you're the dominant team, and then going into the next night, which was a game I think everybody or at least myself. Uh, really expected between Minnesota State and Minnesota Duluth, a 2-1 grinder, a lot of hard ice, shots were low, shots were even. Um, it seems like that's a difficult thing to do to, you know, you mentioned complacency. You know, it's one th- you know, to, to go from a, a game like Friday into Saturday and be prepared enough to know that um, while you would love to get off to the same kind of start that you had Friday, that might not happen. And you're going to be in a, in a dogfight. And, you know, when, when they made it 2-1, 
with about uh, what you know, fourteen minutes left in the third period. I think was it on Saturday or was I think it, it might have been much? a little, little bit later. L- but yeah, regardless, later, yeah, we, we hung in there. Yeah, and you had to you had to grind it out the rest of the way. So, um, you know, what was that? What, what, what's it like to to kind of do that on, on a weekend and go from one game to another where where those games are just not alike at all? Yeah, um, obviously Friday night, um, great start um, to to be up three three nothing after the first is. Um, something that's a goal, um, but uh, against a team like that, <laughs> against Duluth, um, usually not not the case, right? Um, two programs that you know identify themselves as just being absolute stalwarts defensively, and and that leads to offense. Um, and obviously, we got off to a little bit of a hot start and um, kind of carried that throughout, and just didn't really let any breathing room. But um, we were all well aware. Um, probably five minutes after the game Friday night, that <laughs> Saturday was going to be um, a different ball game, and and the Duluth was going to come out ready, and um, they were. Um, it was I, I, I wore shots 17, 17, something 18, like, 17. Yeah, something right, like, right around there. That. There was a stretch where I remember I looked up like late in the game, and I was like, man, we had more shots last night through like two and a half periods and like either team has combined through almost right. three um almost gave me uh, reminiscent vibes to that game against notre dame um to go on um just a lot of neutral zone play not a lot of sustained pressure neither right. end um special teams came up big and we found a way um so yeah it's uh definitely uh um the like you said the the tale of two nights um was drastically different um and and i don't think you know the guys who are in the lineup walked off that rink like obviously a win's a win like we're, mm-hmm. we're winning in college hockey is never easy um but i think we all walked off that rink knowing we didn't probably have our a game that night and we f- still found a way um which i think for our identity as a team is, is going to be huge moving forward um knowing that we, we can be a team who finds ways to win games, even when, you know, maybe we're not clicking on every cylinder. So, you know, it's interesting you say that about, you know, the neutral zone play and all that, you know, when you have a crowd of 5,000 people and there's a game like that, and if you're in Minnesota Duluth, um, other than the fact that you're down to nothing, you probably like the fact that you're trying to, you know, taking the crowd out of the game a little bit, or you're attempting at least to take the crowd out of the game. And uh, I've said this before, uh, you know, to, to other players and to coaches on, on the podcast, just watching the, the level of interest and um, understanding of hockey by the crowd uh, has been a really fun thing to see in Mankato over the years. Uh, when, when you see a game like that, where the crowd could be kind of sitting on their hands, kind of waiting for something to happen, but then really explodes when you kill off a penalty, for instance, or when you ice the puck a few times on a, on a penalty kill and they kind of get into it and get the crowd on your side and suddenly they're realizing there are other things than goals to, to cheer for and, and be excited about. And uh, to me, that's a lot of fun to kind of see that, that nuance in the game. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I'm sure you get, get some energy from that, uh, you know, when you guys are killing penalties. I literally have the chills right now as you say <laughs> that. Um, I For all of our fans, student section listening to this, Saturday night against the Gophers, second period. Tie, or, I don't recall the exact score, but we go five on three, yep. right? And we get it off. And... I think at that time we were still down. I think maybe one nothing. I think it, I think yeah. yeah, we were down one nothing. 
Um, we get a huge five-on-three kill. The place erupts. I want to say two shifts later, Campbell Psychos walks into the line, gold. That place erupts again. But the the noise in that place when we killed it off might have been equivalent right. to when we scored. Um, come this weekend, first game, we take a penalty early, mm-hmm. right? Andre Pavel, an absolute workhorse on the back end wall, on their behind their net, probably held the puck on that back wall for yes. 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing out there with my with my D partner who we were killing, and Lucas Sauter was out there with us, and we're just kind of looking around like, do we like, because they have five guys almost below the goal line trying <laughs> right. to get the puck from him. And he, he just th- he had three guys on he, his back. He's got back. three guys on his back, and he's just playing with it along the wall. We're like, do we go in and help a little bit? Like, do we back <laughs> off? Like, I was like, this is, and then the crowd started going, going. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's the stuff where, as a player, we know how much that means. Like, he's coming back to the bench after that shift, and every guy on that bench is picking him up saying, hey, phenomenal job. Like, you got that kill for us big time, whatever. But to see then the crowd have that hockey IQ and be able to pick up mm-hmm. on it and churn, like, that stuff as players, um, where obviously we're going to get bench energy from Pavi doing that alone. Right. But then to have our own home crowd generate that and then we feed off that is just incredible stuff and um, grateful to play in a, a, a town that understands that. That's a great highlight. And, you know, that's one of those ones where you you see highlight packages. And I think the CCHA put one out today, which, you know, I'm sure it's mostly goals, possibly a, a great save here or there. Um, but you want to see plays like that once in a while too, because that's so unique, and it was such a a great moment. It reminded me of a moment from uh, I think twenty years ago. Adam Gerlach played for this team, and he um, I, I don't think it was a penalty kill. I think it was a six on five situation at the end of the game against North Dakota. Big crowd. Um, Mavericks were on a seventeen game unbeaten streak. I may be combining like three or four games into one here, but what I remember is Adam Gerlach kind of doing that along the wall, taking on two or three guys, keeping the puck along the wall, letting time tick away, and really preventing. Uh, any kind of offensive chance for the team that had the man advantage. And um, it, it's you watch guys do that and kind of figure out how to do that and, and make plays because, you know, however many seconds it was that uh, Pavel did that, you know, you know, you said 30. I kind of guessed 20 because sometimes I think it's we don't think as much as uh, others. I talked to somebody in this concourse between periods who thought it was 45. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to grow a legend. He's going to, you know, the legend's going to be that he killed off the whole tune and made minor there. <laughs> he, he came in. He goes, how long was it? I go, if I had to guess, like somewhere between like maybe 20 and 30. So I was giving him the benefit of that. He sure. goes, dude, I felt like it was like 45 <laughs> seconds down there. So Well, maybe, maybe I'll go on to Flow Hockey <laughs> and uh, check that out and, and, and time it out because uh, the it's pretty amazing stuff. <laughs> um, you know, let's let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, you know, one of the unique things about about you, Andy, is that you are here for your fifth season. You're taking advantage of your COVID year or whatever the official designation is, but you you are, uh, as they say, a super senior. Um, what went into your decision to to come back for for one more year? Um, you know, I remember shortly after the Frozen Four uh, talking to Coach Hastings and. I think at the time he wasn't sure if anyone was going to come back. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really hard decision. Um, not in the case of do I want to come back to this program, but rather um, what's the best decision? Um, because there wasn't a wrong or a bad decision. Um, 
between the two options, between turning pro or coming back and utilizing my fifth year. Um, and yeah, I had some long, hard conversations with um, my advisor, coach, um, friends and family. Um, and it was, it was difficult. Talk to Jack McNeely, mm -hmm. um, Reggie, the, you know, guys who had been through it, um, understand that, you know, graduate school student now, like going through all that. Um, and I think that, you know, the way, obviously uh, I was a county major, like pretty rigorous courses last year, wrapping up school. Um, and between that and competing for a national championship and continuing to be good, you know, practice, workouts, games, et cetera. Um, and also having some time away from the rink, uh, which is a really important thing for me, um, was there wasn't a lot of time. Right. And y as much as you want to and are excited for the future, you also want to stay in the present and be as good as you can daily and not have that stuff creep into your mind and be like, all right, what am I doing? But at the same time, like, I think it, in a way it almost made that decision harder um, after the season. But I will say, and I've said it again, um, a couple days after, um, obviously, the, the national championship came, um, it really allowed my, my gut and my heart to kind of combine and, um, and my mind uh, and come up with the, what my body wanted to do and what my heart wanted to do. Um, and that was compete for one more national championship. Um, pro hockey is something that I've, you know, as a 12 year old, probably wasn't on my radar as a small town Northfield kid. <laughs> um, it was to play college hockey. That was my goal. Um, and a national championship would be, a you know, just a, a cherry on top. Um, but now that I'm here and I've had that taste back to back years of, Frozen Fours, na you know, national championships, NCAA tournaments, like you get a little taste of it and like you just can't, like <laughs> it's hard to say, no, I don't want to try and do that again. Um, but it was hard. Um, obviously pro hockey, like me being one of the four um, or one out of four um, to decide to come back, obviously with Dryden Wyatt and, and Julian. Um, and obviously they're doing amazing things in pro hockey. Um but it, it just felt like the right decision for me. Um, take a little bit of a step, um, refine my game that much more. So um, when I do, you know, turn pro next year, I'll, I'll just be that much more ready. So you're a graduate student right now. Correct. What's your what's your MBA? Your MBA. Yeah, MBA. Accounting degree last yep. year to graduate. Yep. Okay. Accounting degree, data analytics minor, and then a sports coaching minor as well. Wow, that's uh. That's a grind. <laughs> yeah. It, you know what? I, I enjoy numbers. I, I actually just got done with, so the MBA classes are eight-week classes. Um, so I actually just took my finals last week Oh wow! Um, okay. for, my, for my courses that I was in the first half of the semester. And one of them was a uh, research and design class, uh, data analytics. And uh, I, we had some like prep work that was like um, extra credit at the beginning of the semester. And Mrs. Pregman, if you're listening, I really enjoyed your class. But the <laughs> the first extra credit assignment was like rudimentary, like third grade math. Okay. Like 36 plus 45. And I'm like, is this like, is this, I mean, if I'm getting my MBA degree, like I, I'd like to be pushed a little bit. <laughs> and then like 
the next weekend we're doing quantum regression analysis and I'm like, okay, we just went from zero to a hundred in like <laughs> a snap of a finger. Um, and so an academic advisor up on, on campus, we were talking a little bit and I was like, man, you should have seen it. Like we went from, you know, adding fractions to doing quantum regression analysis in a matter of like three and a half days. But it's, it was, it was a really fun class. I love mathematics. Um, I love solving problems. Um, that's just kind of always the way I've been. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously very happy to be back, utilizing my fifth year and also getting my MBA degree. That's great. Wow, good for you. That's uh, And it takes a lot. You mentioned the, 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 the grind of the hockey season. And, you know, the, I, I always think about how long the college hockey season is. And, I mean, you're obviously starting in the summer and you're technically able to start classes when or start practices when classes start. But the season, as far as games go, you know, it's that first weekend in October usually. Um, you've been to sc- in school for five or six weeks. If you make it to the Frozen Four, which you did last year, uh, that's the second weekend in April, and uh, you're done the second week in May. I mean, your your time that's you know your your season schedule, game schedule, you know, is all but just a few weeks of the, the entire school year. I always think hockey is so um, unique that way compared to even football and basketball and um, and and baseball. It's just it's it's literally your entire seat, uh, you know, it year is. of school. It is. I, I have buddies um, who I've met through um, my work here when I work here during the summer um, or just through different, um, you know, athletic teams. And um, a few of them, uh, I got a couple of buddies who are golfers. And, you know, they have their fall and spring season. Mm-hmm. So they have two seasons. And I think they have nine tournaments. So they're playing for 18 days. <laughs> and I'm like, man. Like, we're we're eighteen days in. Like, obviously they're practicing and doing everything like that. Sure. But and it's spread out again. Like they're starting obviously a couple weeks before us. As in couple, like in terms of their competition, right? They're starting I think late August, maybe early September. So they just wrapped up like two weeks ago, and then they'll turn it back around and like still finish kind of when we're finishing. Mm-hmm. But they're you know. They have a three-month break. So it is just crazy, like, how, one, important your three-and-a-half-month summer is to prepare your body because you you can't, if you're not prepared come end of August, it's really hard to play catch-up yeah. because of the demands of our sport, of hockey, of the length of the season, the way that we play, the way that we practice. If you're not ready, it's very hard to play catch-up. Um, so that three and a half month span, um, I learned it in a hurry from my freshman or going into my freshman year between that and then between freshman and sophomore, how important that time is um, to regain strength, regain power, put on some weight. Because, yeah, like you said, I mean, we're, what is our season? S- almost six, seven months long? Six months pretty yeah. much, yeah. So it's it, it's a demand on your body. Um but that's what makes it so fun. Well, and, and the other part of that too is the success that that, that this program has had. Um, you know, means that you'll be going you know deep into March, if not into April. And whereas you know you you could in some teams, you know, they're done the first week of March. Their first round of conference tournament. If they get knocked out, uh, season's over. And uh, it's you see that in professional sports too. You know, when you know teams, you know, in the NHL. You win the Stanley Cup, you're going deep into June, into the summer, and you know August and September, you're starting up again. So, it is interesting to to know what um, 
it's kind of the double-edged sword of success, I guess, because, you know, the, it's all great, but uh, the time in between uh, to enjoy that is, is not very long. Definitely. Um, you, you know, it's interesting. I was, you, you know, you guys played the Gophers, uh, UMD to some degree as a person, um, you know, in media and following social media and seeing comments and things like that that, that take place during uh, <laughs> during these games. Uh, a lot gets said about uh, people start looking at the average ages of teams. I'm sure you've heard this before, and I see you close your eyes because you know where I'm going with this. You're going to be 26 years old in February. Um, I'm a real proponent of teams doing whatever it, they can do within you know the rules of, of the game. I, I think there's uh, as a person who's covered Minnesota State um, for as long as I have, I have an appreciation for for players who are older who found their way here, you know, who found their way to Division One and c- carved out a a uh, a career, um, you know, because they're whether they're late bloomers, whether they're uh, guys who just didn't weren't in the right situation to see to have a look, could be a guy like yourself. <laughs> you mentioned earlier. Um, your your teammate uh, uh, Campbell Psychos from Albert Lee. I think he's probably going to be a good example. Um, not every guy who's you know twenty five, twenty six years old is you know going to be playing in the NHL the next year. Where sometimes some of those eighteen year old draft picks, nineteen year old draft picks on other teams might be playing in the NHL next year. Um, when you hear that, I mean, have you had discussions about that, or you know what what I figure I know what side you're on because of your age, but it is an interesting dynamic in college hockey. It it definitely is. Um, and do I have the utmost respect for the 18 year old who can come in and as a first round draft pick and be an impact player in college hockey? 100. percent Like, you know, I I look at some of these guys who are coming in. Um, do I respect the crap out of that Jimmy Snuggard kid from the University of Minnesota? <laughs> Absolutely. You should. Like, no, I, I, I'm being dead serious. No, like, no. I that guy, phenomenal hockey player. Yeah. But I also look at it as someone, and obviously we've talked about this. I've said it on the podcast before. Yeah. Like, at my age, I was, uh, my age when I was, his, or his age currently, or maybe a year younger than him now, um, I was 5'7", 125 pounds. <laughs> Like I had, I had zero opportunity to mm-hmm. be in that spot. Um, combination of due to when I, you know, matured and a combination of my Crohn's disease. Um, so for me, like that's a touchy subject for me because like obviously junior hockey for me and allowing my body time to adjust to being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. putting on enough weight, putting on enough strength, and then understanding how to play the game almost in a different body, right? I put on 55, 60 pounds in a matter of a year and a half. Wow. Um, and that's good weight too. So it's like, it, yes, like college hockey is a very unique breed like that, but it, I'm not going to say it frustrates me when people say that, but everything that we're doing, everyone else has the opportunity to do so. And I guess in a way, you know, do we have to do that? Probably not. But I think results come sometimes speak for themselves. Um, Well, and and those results also include you're getting your degree, you're getting your master's degree. mm. For from my standpoint, it seems like it's everything that uh, the NCAA would stand for and want. 
mm-hmm. out of players. Yeah. Um, not to knock guys who are one and done or two and done um, or guys who choose to leave early or get an opportunity to sign, whether they're a draft pick or a free agent. Mm-hmm. But just, you know, um, I, it, it seems to, you know, the, the more that, you know, student athletes can be student athletes mm-hmm. with the student part in, included in that, um, I think that's good for good for athletics in general, yeah. whether it's hockey or anything else. I agree. So, um, so kudos to you and, uh, for, for what you've done in, yeah. in that department. I Thank know we've you. talked about it in the past, but it's just, I always just think it's a good, uh, a good conversation, uh, to have because fans are interested. And I think it's, and, and to, I think sometimes to really understand where, uh, that comes from and, and, you know, it's not just a recruiting philosophy. It's, uh, it's, uh, a recognition of talent by coaches, people who recognize that, you know, someone might not be ready yet, but they might be ready in a year or two. Mm-hmm. And uh, why not take a chance on that 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 kid? And so so be it if he's 21 years old when he comes in as a freshman. Because otherwise, you know, um, those opportunities might not be there. And you, you might just get your... Uh, accounting degree and your <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 go on, which would be fine too. But uh, you have this a unique opportunity that you've taken advantage of. Definitely, and and the only thing I'd ever say about that is, um, I, I might be wrong on this, but I believe last year I don't even think we were in the top ten oldest teams in the possible. country. That's certainly possible. So I, I think it's. Uh, when people, like you said, on social media, the keyboard warriors are saying, <laughs> you know, um, you know, Mankato, like, you know, they're all, you know, getting ready for their AARP card and all that stuff. <laughs> like it, it we, I almost get a joke out of it because I've seen the stats and like, yes, are we on the older side of college hockey? 100%. Do we play a sustained pro style game for three periods and wear teams down and play structurally defensively? And not have a lot of draft picks, but still find ways to win hockey games? Yes. So there, there's a fine line, right? Like, yeah, you can bring in 14 NHL draft picks and play run and gun, but the pro game, like, obviously, yes, we're more mature. Like, we're ready to play that pro game. We've committed to play that pro game by coming to Mankato. Like, that's one of our um, identities mm-hmm. is playing that committed defensive style. Um, and it, it seems to be working. So I think it probably is one of those things where it, it gets more recognition than maybe some other programs um, because the past couple of years we've been on that stage where uh, those things get highlighted. Every mm-hmm. every detail of a team gets highlighted um, where even when we're not in the top, you know, five or ten oldest teams in the country, but somehow we're the ones getting picked. <laughs> I say that with a smile on my face. Uh, so based on, you know, related to that someone related to you being back for your, for your fifth year, um, is just kind of the makeup of this current team. And, you know, one of the things that you're able to do by your return is kind of really help, you know, shore up a, a, a defensive core that, you know, lost some, you know, pretty key players from last year, um, you know, with, with Wyatt Amit. Um, graduating, uh, Jack McNeely finishing his fifth year, and, and Benton Moss, who was here for one year as a grad transfer. Um, but all three played, you know, real uh, important roles uh, on this team on a, with a really strong uh, core of, of defensemen that also included you and uh, obviously uh, Jake Livingstone and Akito Hirose, who, um, you know, are both off to great starts to this season and, and such strong parts of your defense. Um, 
you know, where where do you feel like you fit in as far as like kind of getting that defensive core, um, you know, to where you guys want it? Because you know what you're getting out of yourself. You know what you're getting out of, uh, you know, Jake and Keto. Um, but, you know, now you're weaving in some guys who either have very little experience uh, or no college experience going into the season. Yeah, it's, I mean, I was just, as you're, adding that question I hadn't really done in my head and I was just trying to do some quick math in my head thinking about the amount of games played that left our team last yeah. year so you figure Jack and Benton are both fifth year guys as well so they're playing minimum of probably 150 college games a piece possibly yeah and Wyatt's probably pushing 105 110 120 mm-hmm. um so I mean that's a lot of games to replace um and the guys who have stepped up as freshmen, underclassmen, or even guys who maybe haven't um, seen as much ice time, um, it, it's been, it's been. I would say it's we're as we're approaching like getting deeper and deeper in the season. Our growth level from defensive partner communication, understanding, you know, when we do this, we're gonna you know roll with this play, um, is really growing at an exponential rate. Um, even myself and Mason Wheeler today, we were talking and we got out a couple times nicely, um, breaking pucks out. And it was just kind of fun to, um, to have everyone be on the same page. Um, because obviously, you know, myself, I'm playing with Mason Wheeler, a freshman, um, straight out of the USHL. And here I am, grandpa, the team, (laughs) fifth year guy who's been around and like kind of understands and, and to be on that same wavelength um of of games and um trying to really help each other um and work off each other's playing style obviously i'm very feet first defenseman um i like to try and beat the first guy uh and mason's just a big strong defensive defenseman who is not going to let anyone get past him um and you know i think obviously with aikido and jake um being the ball players that they are um, they've taken obviously another big step uh, and I think the rest of the decor, um, I, I hope myself included will continue to keep making those steps. Um, because I, I, I think this team, um, coaches said it a million times, like without a decor, like to get pucks out, to prevent pucks from going in the back of the net, like it's hard to win hockey games. Yeah. And I think that's something that over my career here, um, we've had some some big time defensive cores and i think this is probably the youngest uh, of d cores that we've ever had mm-hmm. um but i think there's you know there's room for for guys to take take steps early and utilize that young soul and and young mind of college hockey and and really develop some confidence and become become ball players for us because it's It'll be it'll be huge to have you know six seven defensemen who can step up and play at any role, um, you know, come this weekend. I can probably ask you this because it's probably applies to you more than than anybody else on the team other than the coaches. But is it weird for you to turn around on defense and not see number twenty nine in net? <laughs> After th- three and a half years, he hardly ever left it. So. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it, it, it definitely. Um, I don't want to say different. Um, I think, you know, between high school, juniors, AAA, whatever it may be, like you went through enough goalie changes. I mean, I remember my first year in 
Aberdeen, South Dakota, and the North American League, I think we had like eight goalies. <laughs> so to go from like eight and then you get to college hockey and it's like, okay, I've played in front of, let's see, Matias Israelison, mm-hmm. Dryden, Jacob Berger, Ryan Edquist, Dryden McKay. Jackson Stauber. Oh, one game, Jackson Stauber. You're right in uh, Alabama, Huntsville. That's right. You're right. Okay. So still, over still. over four years, right. I've played right. in front of fewer goalies than I did in one year yeah. of junior hockey. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fun fun fact. But um, uh, <laughs> on the fact of Mr. McKay, um, obviously he was a phenomenal. I mean, yeah. one of the best to do it of all time. Um, I've said it before. Um, but competition is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and those three guys are battling their tail off every day to, to see who can, you know, get between the pipes on Friday. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. Competition brings mm-hmm. out the best in a lot of people. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see where, where those three can, can take us. Yeah. I think, and I think a lot of fans are pretty happy for, um, for those guys, you know, knowing, um, whether they admit it or not, or anyone else, you know, that it's big, big skates to fill difficult, uh, position to be in with no experience and to have uh the gauntlet of a schedule that, that you guys have to start the season uh to see what uh, uh Keenan Rancier did uh, against the Gophers and he wasn't wasn't bad the first night and certainly was was really good the second and then uh obviously Alex Tracy on both games against uh UMD um I think everybody who's a fan probably breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief saying okay we're gonna be okay mm-hmm. no and it and yes, that that was that was the talk of the summer, right? right. Between our team, like who's going to fill twenty nine spot? Well, Dryden McKay was obviously one of the best of all time, and his, his stats prove it, his records prove it, um, his awards prove it. Um, but we have three very quality goaltenders who have proven themselves. We have two that have proven themselves at the collegiate level now, and three who have proven themselves over their you know junior mm-hmm. and, and and midget careers. Um, and, you know, I, I think that on any given Friday, Saturday night, if we put any three of those in, um, I think all, all the guys in that locker room know that if we play the right way um, and play to our identity that, you know, we're going to have a really good chance of winning that hockey game. Um, and so I think that's just the confidence that we have in them um, and they should have within themselves because obviously they're, they're, they're here for a reason. They've been here, you know, our recruiting staff has seen Dryden McKay play and, you know, they had the, the wherewithal to then offer them mm-hmm. college college spots, so um, they should have that uh, that confidence with themselves, and I think I think everyone in this program does too. Um, we see what they do in practice every day. Um, they're just high quality goalies and high quality human beings as well. Well, the uh, the challenge gets uh, no easier this weekend uh, for the goaltenders, for the defensive core, for the team as a whole. You go up to St. Cloud State uh, for two games uh, up there at the National Hockey Center. And uh, that should be a, another another good test uh, for you guys. Uh, best of luck up there. Uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, and uh, we'll be we'll be following that. Uh, I'll be following it from afar, but I know there's probably going to be a lot of people going up to St. Cloud this weekend for a, a pretty good cu- couple of tilts uh, between the Mavericks and the Huskies. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, we're we're looking forward to it for sure. All right. Well, thank you, Andy. Thanks for being on. Uh, This has been the Maverick Hockey Live podcast presented by Duncan. I'm Shane Frederick. That's Andy Carroll. We'll see you next week.